Welcome everybody to the weekly message for The Table. The Table is a church in Davenport, Iowa, where people are moving from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. I'm Pastor Rob Leverage, and it's good to be with you on this beautiful day. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's actually a pretty brief passage, and it is the story of one of the earliest healing miracles in Jesus's ministry. So let's open our hearts, open Open our ears and give a good listen. After leaving the synagogue, he entered Simon Peter's house. Now Simon Peter's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her. Then he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Immediately she got up and began to serve them. As the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on each of them and cured them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Gospels, people have a range of different reactions to the miracles that Jesus performs. Uh, Folks who witness the miracles as bystanders, right, they often are amazed and inspired. Uh, That's certainly true. Um, There are some times when uh, observers are dismissive. They may be irritated or disgruntled, even accusatory. Um, This often happens if they sense that Jesus's power and the miracle that Jesus is doing in that moment might be some kind of threat to them. So that's a, a reaction that sometimes people have. But even when people are direct beneficiaries of Jesus's miracles, um, if the miracle is happening to them, right? They, they, there is still a variety of reactions. Sometimes people celebrate, they shout for joy, telling everybody that they possibly can. Uh, what a wonderful thing has just happened. Uh, this is happens when Jesus heals a man with leprosy. Uh, there's another man who had been paralyzed. His friends uh, lowered him through a hole in the roof and Jesus healed him. The guy picks up his cot and dances off down the street, glorifying God, making a big fuss, right? That is one reaction people have when they receive a miracle themselves personally. But other times, um, you you often wonder if the person who's getting a miracle is in shock and doesn't know uh, how to respond at all. There are a lot of miracle stories, such as a time when Jesus heals a man who has a withered hand, um, where the text uh, doesn't say anything about how the man himself reacted. And, you know, maybe he did run off screaming and shouting and and praising the Lord, um, and that it just doesn't say that in the story. Um, But I imagine that for some of us, if a miracle happened to us, we might actually be stunned, (laughs) silent, right? And, And not really know what to say, not really know what to do. That is a reaction that we sort of pick up on in the the stories as well. And there are even a few times when Jesus performs a miracle and people freak out and they try to get away from him. In the Gospel of Luke, for example, shortly after the miracle story that we just read at Simon Peter's house, there is the story in which Simon Peter is called as his disciple. And and there's a miracle in that story involving fish because Peter had been fishing all night long. He had caught absolutely nothing. And Jesus then tells him, to lower his nets one more time into the water. And when Peter does this, the nets fill up with so many fish um, that that 
the nets are about to break, actually. It's like a totally a miracle. And at the moment that Peter recognizes that a miracle is happening, he actually begs Jesus to leave him. He says, turn away from me, Jesus, for I am a sinful man. This miracle, and perhaps the life that the miracle is pointing to, um, this is actually scary stuff to Peter, in his case, because he feels that he's not worthy. But this is another reaction that you could sometimes see to a, a miracle, that it, it freaks you out and you want to run away. Okay, um, But in our miracle story for today, we see yet a different reaction from somebody who experienced a miracle. And the person in this story is Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus had come to Simon's house, learned that she was there in bed with a fever. He took her hand and she was healed. And then, you know, she didn't freak out. Um, she did not run out of the house praising the Lord, right? And she did not tell Jesus to leave, but instead she got up and she started to serve him. Yeah, her response to being healed by Jesus was to serve Jesus. Okay, um, it's interesting how that that's not the thing you typically see in the Bible, right? Um, you could make the case that um, this was the same response that Mary Magdalene had, maybe a couple of other people in the scriptures that they. It became dedicated to Jesus, and they followed Jesus, and they served Jesus, and they gave their lives to Jesus because of the things um, that that Jesus did for them. Um, but I, I guess I would just like to say uh, it's just not that. That is not the typical reaction that people have. Um, I hear people today talk about their faith in this way. Jesus has done so much for me. I just want to spend my life serving him. I hear that in my experience. I just don't see that specifically in that way in a lot of uh, episodes in the scripture. It's very interesting, right? Um, but I would also like to say that the story of Simon Peter's mother-in-law is not really, it's not like, it's not about paying Jesus back for what Jesus did for her. Um, I don't get the sense, and I'm, we're going to get into this, that Simon Peter's mother-in-law, um, that, that she's serving him because he healed her. Well, he she is, but it's not in a kind of you tit for tat, you did this for me, I'm doing this for you, okay? It's not reciprocity right? It's not like they had a handshake deal. Um, but what we see with Simon Peter's mother-in-law, she's healed by Jesus. She gets up and she serves him. And this is like an intimate response that she has to the miracle. And it is based on a relational instinct that she has that like, as she is healed, her first thought is hospitality. That's very compelling to me. Um, this might have been her personal disposition. Okay, Some people really are just this way, that if somebody comes to your house, you know, you need to make sure that they are welcome and attended to, that they, they need to be comfortable, they need to feel that they belong. It is your job. It is you know, at the core of your being, it is your responsibility to help people who come into your house feel good about being in your home. 
in your space. You offer them food, something to drink, pillows, take the coat, whatever, <laughs> you know, everything that you can do to extend hospitality to a guest. And to be able to care for somebody and to serve a guest is, it is an, a matter of pride, right, for some people, right? But also, if they were to become sick and bedridden, then the ability to serve a guest in their home might actually be the hardest thing that they would give up in their period of illness. Harder for them personally than like losing a job or losing a livelihood or losing the ability to play sports or whatever other things that people also lose when they get sick. The thing that certain people would miss the most is the ability to serve, right, as a host, right? I think of this as one of those um, sort of it is one of the costs of the pandemic that we don't always um, talk about as much, right? The idea that like some people have people into their homes and this is what they do, right? And when the coronavirus has been flaring at different times, people have really felt that they could not bring folks into their homes and serve them. And what a tremendous loss that is in, sense, in terms of our sense of who we are in relationship to others, okay? Um, so then I'm thinking, for some people in this sort of category with this kind of disposition, right, is that if they are healed, right, if they're restored to health, then the very first thing that they're going to focus on when they get back into the swing of things is hosting and serving and welcoming people, right? And I wonder if that might be just the kind of person that Simon Peter's mother-in-law was, right? But there is also something else going on in this story that I notice when I think about Simon Peter's mother-in-law serving Jesus after being healed. And this detail has to do with the order uh, in which the stories are told in the Gospels, okay? So uh, right now I have to get a little little Bible nerdy, and I apologize for that, but but we're going to get into the weeds of a certain, a certain thing about how uh, the Gospel texts are organized, okay? And I'll try to make this interesting, and I'm really sorry if it's uh, a little nerdy, but here we go. Um, this story of Jesus going to Simon Peter's house and healing his mother-in-law, this appears more than once in the New Testament. It also appears in the Gospel of Mark, uh, as well as the Gospel of Luke. We, we read from the Gospel of Luke. And if you read this story in the Gospel of Mark, it's almost exactly the same, even like down to the words. It's, it's really interesting that the, the text is almost identical from one gospel to the next. But um, in Mark, the stories around this story, this episode, are laid out in a different order than how they appear in the gospel of Luke. So I'll explain. In the gospel of Mark, there's this story in which Jesus is walking along the seashore. He sees Simon Peter. He sees some other people. They're taking care of their fishing nets and their boats, and he calls out to them, follow me. And they decide to follow him, right? He invites them to be his disciples, and they basically say yes. Then a little while later, he goes to Simon Peter's house, and he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. So when you read the stories in that order in the Gospel of Mark, you kind of get the impression that Jesus sort of met Simon Peter that day, 
picked him to be his disciple, probably because of just some kind of supernatural Jesus power, like he knew this is the guy. And then after that, they got to know each other because Simon Peter chose to follow Jesus. And then in the context of that, he invited Jesus back to his house for dinner. And that was the beginning of their relationship. Okay? But in the Gospel of Luke, you get an entirely different impression of how things played out with Simon Peter and Jesus, okay? Because the stories happen in a reverse order, okay? Jesus visits Simon Peter in his home, and he heals his mother-in-law. Then it's not until the next chapter of the Gospel of Luke that Jesus sees Peter on the seashore, and he calls him to be his disciple. And that's when we get the story of them catching all those fish, you know, uh, in the in the nets are breaking, blah, 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 okay? But the way that Luke tells the story, Jesus and Peter were already friends, okay? The first time that Simon Peter is mentioned in the Gospel at all in Luke is at the healing at Simon Peter's house, right? So Jesus just like went over there, right? Because he knew Simon Peter already. They were already friends, okay? Before Jesus began his ministry, before he Jesus asked Simon Peter to join the movement, when Jesus went over to Simon Peter's house, he was just going over there because he just goes over there because it's his friend. And, you know, you just he'd probably been there a million times before. Jesus knew Simon Peter's mother-in-law already, and she knew him, okay? She had probably welcomed him in their home and made him dinner countless times. He was just Jesus, Peter's friend, right? And if you think about it in this way, you, you ask, does that help explain why she had a different reaction to uh, being healed by Jesus than other people had. It's interesting to think about, right? The miracle that she experienced happened within the context of a relationship that had already been built through an investment in time and care and welcome, okay? Jesus was safe within the space that she had lovingly established in her home, and she knew that she was safe with Jesus. She didn't have to wonder, is this Jesus, is this, is this okay, this guy saying the things that he's saying and doing the things that he's doing, right? Can I trust this guy? No, she already trusted him because she already knew him. Now, that is not to take anything away from the miracles that Jesus performed with strangers, but you see how, you know, people are not always sure that they can trust Jesus, what he says, what he's doing. They don't already know him because Simon Peter's mother-in-law had already broken bread with Jesus many times. She was not afraid when he took her by the hand and the fever vanished, okay? We are seeing that with a robust commitment to generous relationships and loving community, people can make themselves ready for miracles. Yes. So I'm a big fan of the, the Disney movie Encanto. It's taken the world by storm, right? I'm a big fan. I think it is an important film, and there's a lot going on that uh, is... Uh, it's worthy of repeat viewings. This is the way I feel about the movie. Some of my children share my enthusiasm. Others wish 
that I would stop talking about it. Anyway, if you have not seen Encanto, I will not spoil any of the plot points. Okay, But I will just say that there is this family. The, the story of the movie revolves around this family. Many different members of this family have magical, miraculous abilities to do specific things. Okay, And everybody in town knows that these people can do extraordinary things. Okay, It is known. The matriarch of the family, um, Abuela, Grandma, she she really rules the family. Okay, she's the queen. All deference. No, she's not the queen. She's Abuela. She is Grandma, and all deference is given to her. And she is constantly hammering this one particular point all throughout the movie. This is a core value that she holds, and she wants to instill in her family. And the thing that she's always hammering home is that. Everything, everything that these family members are supposed to do with their magical abilities, everything that they do must be done to benefit the whole community. And the members of this family, they really take it to heart. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary thing because people see in all throughout the town, they see these individuals doing extraordinary things, doing what they do, and they're just not afraid of them. Like there's this young woman named Louisa, and she's super strong, and she is, at one point, she's picking up donkeys and carrying them down the street, and people see her doing this, and they don't freak out. They just assume that she's doing it to help somebody. It's not strange. It's not alarming, because people know who she is, and they know what she is all about. Okay? It was not strange or scary for Simon Peter's mother-in-law to be healed by Jesus. It may have been completely new and unexpected. You know, we don't know if she had seen Jesus do miraculous things in the past, or she may never have seen Jesus do anything like that before. But there was already goodwill, and there was already trust there. So she was not afraid when a miracle took place. She was ready not only to receive the blessing in her own life, but to take the gift of healing and immediately use it to multiply goodness in the ways that it was possible for her to do so. In her case, it was a, a matter of hospitality, right? Serving people in your home. But you could imagine anybody who is healed, right, who now contains the potential, having been restored, to use the gift of their life to grow compassion and goodwill by doing the things that they are equipped to do, okay? You and I should learn from this story. We talk all the time about grace and the power of God, miracles of Jesus, the truth of the gospel. But it is our investment in relationships and friendship and community that builds trust. And it helps people to be ready for miracles, to be ready to say yes to God's transforming power in our lives, in our families, in our work relationships, our churches. I really believe that God is calling us to be good neighbors, the way that Jesus' household and Simon Peter's household 
we're good neighbors. Okay? We see the power of loving and trustworthy friendships in this ancient story. And God will continue to show us the power of generous, loving, and trustworthy friendship in this place and in our time. Thanks be to God. Amen.